Richmond fly at the back, Langdon, to wheel around and kick the first goal of the season for the Demons. Plays on, a bit of an arc, it's got to come back from left to right, and it does! Statement made! Got it spinning perfectly, look at that. Work the footy, magnificent stuff from Ben Brown. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode's proudly brought to you by Hop Hen Brewing in Lillardale. Make sure you get down there and support a great local business. My name is Tim Simo. We've almost completed round one. The D's got a victory over the dogs in what was a pretty special occasion at the MCG with a lot of fans being able to be in the grandstands and watch their team for the very first time in, yeah, a long time. And yourself was included, mate. Yeah, what, what a momentous occasion. Yeah, it was awesome, mate. It's, uh, so with 58,000 fans there, I thought it was something quite special. I think being able to really showcase um, our support I think it was really awesome and being able to be there for the flag and film and unfortunately for yourself, mate, it would have been <laughs> awesome to be there next year. But uh, seeing those seeing those players coming out with the flag, I think it was just really special. And I think to see um, the video beforehand, I'm not sure if you saw or have seen the video of all the of all the sport supporters, also the the older supporters just just saying thank you to, to players in the street. I haven't seen that video, but no, for those of you listening, unfortunately. <laughs> Is uh, very much looking forward to being in the stands of Simo and um, family and Simo's partner, Elle, and sister. And unfortunately, yeah, last Sunday, copped a uh, positive test, which effectively wiped me out uh, for that week of, of many things, uh, with the football included, which, you know, shitty timing, but it is what it is. And, and got to be thankful that at, at this stage that everyone's all right and, you know, got your health to worry about. And that's that's one thing. But yeah, it was disappointing to know that, but could still sit and watch it in the comfort of my own home. But I know it's not quite the same as the atmosphere as you got to experience there. But it, it was just, what a game. I mean, what a build up to the game. And there's so much hype around this game in the lead up to it. And I think, I don't, I don't know, what do you think? There's been a lot of talk about grand final rematches potentially opening up every year, round one. What do you, what do you reckon? Two sides to that, mate. I think there's one... Where it's like you know, oh, it's, you know, obviously you're going to have pretty, you know, pretty decent sides going out. And you're going to get a contest. I don't know. It, it's a weird. It was. A, it's weird because I haven't seen it before. Yeah, I mean, I don't know yeah. when the last time Richmond and Carlton played in the grand final, but knowing they've had opening night for so long, I think it was. It was really cool to see a change. Um, being biased, it was awesome to see Melbourne as the first game of the season. But I feel like a lot, a lot of supporters outside of you know us and the Bulldogs really still saw Richmond Carlton as that real big opener. But you know, uh, it was just cool to be a part of. The Wednesday night obviously isn't ideal for a lot of people getting out and about and, and you know, it is a late night, especially from when you're traveling from a fair way away. But in the fact that they still got 58,000 there, I think the AFL probably see that as a success. Yeah, I think the whole occasion of, of the first time that the gates were open and, and fans from Melbourne were able to go and watch their team, I think was enough incentive, obviously, and to see the flag being unfurled, I think was enough incentive for it to be a successful night. And at the end of the day, you know, to get, come away with the win and what a win it was really in, in a game that was was eerily fashioned in <laughs> as the grand final and talk about momentum swings that's exactly what it was uh, a series of momentum swings which is yeah it's it makes for interesting watching doesn't it it kind of took you back to the grand final in terms of having that fast start and then having that you know the switch flipped against you and then trying to backpedal and really trying to defend this onslaught of goals in that second quarter and 
uh, the days just proved again um, how much resilience and how much character that this group of players have to be able to reset and adjust. Would have been entertaining for the casual viewer, but it was certainly uh, certainly very entertaining from a D's perspective. You could almost, it's exactly the same way. I mean, you look at, you know, four four goals to, it should have been one. I mean, that Cody Waitman free kick. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of that, that old trans. Oh, I mean, I you, could hear, you could hear you could hear the whole crowd. Oh, a fan anyway, anyway, those two late goals, but you know how the Bulldogs hit, hit back. They kicked eight in a row, which was pretty crazy. Uh, then to to see you know pretty pretty gradual, you know, down by eight or nine points half time, and then you know coming back into the third, you know, really got a, some ascendancy in the scoreboard. Then to you know to to finish it off in a strong fashion after the big Maxi Gorn captain's goal, man, another big one, <laughs> big bomb from fifty five. It was uh, a tone setter and yeah. just you know little little moments in the game. I think we just you know held a bay apart from that eight goal run, but um, lots of like from the game, especially with the depleted backline. That's right, and yeah, unfortunately, you know, a couple of injuries that have sort of crept their way early into the season for the days, and then that's where that depth has really proven how valuable it is that we can have players that can either adjust mid-game, you know, switching roles, but you can also have players that are come in and know the system and still be able to defend. Lot, as you said, lot to like about the game, and we're going to get to some of those things in our next segment. Credit to the boys. Back into the game, so um, it's real credit to the boys. Um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and, and you know, really lead from the front, and I thought we did that all day, so... We want to play our way. Just go after the boys. All right, Simo. Well, as we said, plenty to like, plenty of players that we could easily talk about in this segment. It was hard to narrow it down to a couple, and I'm sure we're going to talk about many more at the time, but it's hard to go past Christian Petrarca and his game where he's just picked up where he left off. <laughs> I think he's still playing like he's got that Norma Smith around his, around his neck because he absolutely tormented the Bulldogs. You know, there's so much blow up that happened, you know, off-field things that happened after that game, which we won't we won't get into now. But it's all comments that were saying to Bevo, you know, like you're worried about this yet. Why don't you focus you know, some of your some of your time into uh, putting some work into the player that absolutely ripped your team apart in the grand final and has just done it again on Wednesday night. But to finish up with the 38 touches, the nine clearances was huge in a game where Melbourne got um, considerably beaten in clearances. Uh, and that was a big factor for some of those momentum swings as well in the second quarter. I think the meters gained is huge. I think it's it's massive in a, in a game where, you know, territory is so important. And, you know, we were just speaking about how important territory was and how influential that was when the Bulldogs were really coming and just players were just doing anything they could to serve the ball forward. For track to have 869 metres gain was huge. Yeah, the two goals, one, uh, 11 inside 50. So he was five up on the next best from Melbourne, which was Alex Neil Bullen with six. So 11 inside 50s with some really intelligent field kicking and 13 score involvement. So he's just first class. He's just getting better and better with each year. I think his maturity, and we said, that, said this at the end of last year, I think, I and mean, you could tell the emotion when, you know, they beat Geelong to finish the minor premiership and the little speech that he gave about how proud he is to put on that jumper every time he comes out. And you just fall, <laughs> fall in love with him a little bit more each and every time we watch him. But this player is just an absolute champion and he's growing before our eyes. Oh, mate, he's, he's super to watch him in live and action. I think to be able to emulate the grand final and God knows what Bevo was thinking, not putting work into him, but gee, mate, 
being there firsthand, watching just more so his, his explosion there in the pack, mate. He, he's super hard to bring down. I mean, he's he's got capabilities to bounce off a couple and, you know, launch one 50 metres off a step. He's, he's something special. And, you know, you, you touch on, you know, that starter in the fourth quarter, obviously being a close game, but, you know, just that silk and just that hit up a brown to result in a goal. I think, you know, just little moments like that, he just... Oh, he's just special. You can even touch on that that goal at the end. I mean, it was a little little floater, but he's a match winner. He is, um, yeah. As we said, one of these players that we've watched over the years become this sort of like you know the chatty, the bloke that won't shut up in the training rooms. You know, heaps of fun about him, heaps of hype about him. But we've just now watched him mature into this leader, and you can see that now in his actions off the field. But now more so, like he's he's leading by example in training in terms of he's the first bloke almost back on the park, you know, in the off-season. He's really taken some of those young kids under his wing. And is he our next captain? Do you think he can captain the club after Maxi? Like, I mean, I know it's early days of talking about this, but you're thinking about it, he's, what, 26, got a lot of football left in him. But I'm thinking in terms of next potential candidates, unless they're going for somebody younger, I think that he potentially could, could be um, a really really worthy suitor for that mantle when the time comes. But uh, it's great to see that we've got the best player in the competition in our team and who loves Melbourne through and through. And I think that's something that you and me both probably in the last decade of footy haven't seen a player. We've got multiple players now that, that do. Honest Jonesy. That do have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a champion like that who is has elevated his game to the best player in the competition, I that's probably the difference between him and Jonesy in my eyes is, is seeing him being the best player in the competition. And that's something excited that, you know, you see the little kids in the schoolyard running around with the number five on their back and it's just, uh, he's going to go down in, you know, in history as one of the greatest players to play for Melbourne Football Club. Um, but also need to say thank you to St Kilda for uh, picking Paddy McCartan in front of him on a side note. Oh, but on a side note. How, and how good, good, how good, it was good seeing him play. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I was thinking that. Drop, I was like, geez, yeah. he has had a rough drop, but yeah. gee, uh, we've been blessed. Even by oh, in that same draft, look, look, sorry to deter you, but oh, Gussie Brayshaw is number three. We can touch on him a little bit later. But next thing, we I think well, we touched on it a fair bit last week and we really went over this guy on the pre on the preseason. Someone that's really elevated his, you know, his ability to impact our football club. Someone that, you know, it was a slow start to the year coming across from North Melbourne, then to to really start firing up back into last year and into the final series. Who is it? Who is it? You're leaving me in suspense, mate. No, mate, I, I love the build-ups. No, that has to be Benny Brown, mate. Benny Brown, he looked like he, I mean, you know, a lot of Melbourne supporters I, I've heard just, you know, just thinking, gee, this guy could, you know, this guy could get back to 60, 70 goals in a season. You know, he's he's someone that could easily, easily kick that many, at least three a game, which is, you know, huge for our team. Um, he, he just looks unstoppable. He's got the ability to impact in the air, but also he's even adding ground level stuff now. I'm thinking this this guy's unreal. And then the biggest thing I think for me is just being outnumbered, either halving the contest or, or even winning it at times. He... He, he's just elevated, you know, our potency up forward. And, gee, mate, it's uh, it's exciting and it's also very, very uh, hard for teams to sort of counteract because we've got him, we've got, you know, the potential for T-Mac, but then also Jacko and, and Frida. It's, uh, it's a scary proposition. That's right. And we did touch on that last week and we, we did give him a big pump up. And you know what? From the first bounce, he delivered because that first quarter, he was on absolute fire. 
his stuff around the ground is becoming yeah more and more impressive for a bloke that we sort of thought had the uh, turning circle of a Kenworth truck and, and you know might not be able to touch his toes, but um, he just had some really amazing moments around the ground that was continues to impress me. And you know there was one looping handball that he did to Ed Langdon running out on the wing. You talked about his his smarts, his footy smarts when it comes down to halving contests and just making sure he's doing the right thing about bringing the ball to ground and letting the smalls kind of feast on that as well too. And three and three, we talked about before the pod. You know easily could have kicked probably five. And you think about that where Frida didn't probably get into the game until after half time as well too. So he kicked the three. T-Mac had ended up going back given the injuries. So he is, I think he's primed. We, we sort of talked about how important having a full preseason is for him. And I think we're going to reap the rewards, um, you know, touch wood, all things going well. So uh, super impressed for him, super happy for him. You know, seems like a genuinely great guy who just loves being in the footy club. He's really relishing his chance that he's had of the days i mean to walk in and get a flag but now i think he feels like he's got a lot to prove as well too i don't think he's got bad blood with the with north melbourne i think that's sort of done and dusted i think he's sort of forgotten about that he's not worried about it but he still want to prove to the rest of the footy world that he's uh, a le- leading class scorer and can be as you said get back up to kicking over 50 60 goals for the season is, is certainly a possibility if he can stay on the park so no nah, love to see benny brown i was disappointed that you didn't send me any uh clock tower gifts on the um yeah, <laughs> on was, wednesday night, I, was, I haven't seen you before the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what was wrong with me on wednesday it must just a long day midweek you yeah. know I was, I was just yeah i was just going through the motions just taking it all in just uh another another arrow to the quiver mate i like Very that good. word <laughs> which one quiver Quiver. Arrow. Quiver. <laughs> the last thing we're going to talk about, and it, it's pretty broad because we wanted to try and bring in a few components that we've certainly missed about the things that we loved about the game. But we talked about how a common theme last year was being challenged numerous times in games throughout the course of the home and away season and being able to respond to that. And this is, again, we talked about it at the start about their show of character and resilience and their ability to be able to reset after a play and i don't know did you end up watching the sound the alarm um doco thing that i sent you yeah, like the little the inside yeah that was unreal that was that was super i thought How, that'd be something similar similar to that in the every heartbeat's true but i suppose yeah that was that was really exceptional thanks for that because i use all my apt to watch it but anyway <laughs> for those listening apt is applied planning time where you, you, know, you should be doing work for school but then tim comes across <laughs> and sends me this and i'm like oh okay i better watch this but anyway it, yeah it, it gave you a bit of insight because i love seeing the little messages that he was giving out to shannon burns about what to run out to the players and especially mm. in that second quarter in the grand final similar to wednesday night when the you know the pressure and the momentum was swinging against us and we were just trying to stay afloat you know dogs were charging and, and we couldn't get a look in and he's just his calm and consistent message was just that's all right reset let's go again Back let's go system. again and that's mm. and that's all it was and you can kind of tell we talked about the journey of goody and how he sort of seems so robotic and so like his press conferences seems like just the same things that he says over and over again but it all makes sense now like those same messages are going out to the players and it was great to see that insight there but I think we saw that yeah, multiple times last year, it's happened to us mid-game and we've been able to go back and just doesn't matter what the deficit gets to, that they still feel like that they're, they're in the game. They're, they're not willing to um, lie down. 
they're always going to compete. And it was great to see that a top tier talent like the Bulldogs are, that even though well challenged, um, that the D's came out after, especially after half time, after what was a considerable onslaught of eight goals consecutively lapping over from late in the first to the second, that they were able to come out and really bring again back to our brand of footy and just get back to the basics which i thought was um yeah outstanding again and shows that they're they mean business and whatever has been ingrained in them has stuck especially from last year as supporters i think we've really started to establish that i suppose trust in our team because i think we can win from any point you saw you know how we come back against geelong uh, multiple times where we hit back um, back backing in our fitness i think burjo played a huge role there uh, those those things enable. I mean, it's it's a weird thing because people like or asking me, you know, did you feel nervous? We were what were twenty eight, twenty nine points down at one point. They're saying, were you nervous? And I'm like, no. I had to completely back our system. It's one of those things where, I mean, it's interesting when you were talking about Goody and you know the press conference and everything. It just kept reminding me of 2019, 2020 when he was doing the same thing, but obviously the performances weren't happening. Yeah, yeah. but it's so weird to think that it's the same as what it was then. Uh, but then obviously, I think the biggest thing is obviously having people you know bought into a system. It's now you know four or five years on, but it true it shows you know you be composed, trust your system, and you know the results will come. And I think that word that you just used there, composed, is really key. I don't think at any point during the night, and I can't recall the last time I've seen one of our players panic. They they really just James they Holmes. do. They um, what was that? <laughs> James, James Holmes. Holmes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jimmy Harms. Oh look, he's played better games. All right, let's <laughs> we can get down to the point. But especially after halftime and the way that they came out, and like the you know you could see their intent to win back the ball just at any cost whatsoever and there was a series of tackles where it just had you know bodies flying everywhere and then it was ended up cap- capped off by Gorney tackling Crozier and winning a free kick and you could just you could feel the momentum and this is coming from me watching it out of my deck and <laughs> in my pajamas and and you know my demons top um you could still feel it through the tape you could feel the crowd and, and how much the, and the players are all buying into that and you could just tell from then on it leads out to that fr- bailey fritz goal and then dogger's goal which made it six in a row that they just grabbed the grabbed the game by the throat and it wasn't the end of it like obviously the start of the fourth quarter they come in and kick the first two goals of the quarter like it's you know that wasn't the third quarter wasn't the end of it they'd trim it down to four points uh, within the first five minutes but then again Players didn't panic. They just reset, restabilized, and got back to business. And well, we talked about Petrarca's goal right at the end there. We had a few squandered opportunities that could have easily iced it a little bit earlier. I think Alex Neil Bullen running into open goal uh, was oh, one of those awesome. things. That, that <laughs> that'd have been sick. I, I remember just everyone just going, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> it just it would have been so good. He, he could have run it. He could have run the whole way in just about. That was crazy. I think he yeah. certainly thought he had less time than what he actually did. So an amazing game. And yeah, really, really enjoyed watching the boys celebrate that one. Toby Bedford, sorry, first win for him, which was really exciting for him to come out as a medical sub as well too. So, so any other players that you wanted to quickly mention before we move on? Anyone in this segment? Uh, leave, it, leave it for later, mate. Leave, leave it for it later? later? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll leave it there. <laughs> well, mate, we've spoken about all the things we loved about the game, but we're going to move on to all the things that we didn't like in our next segment, Pretty Pissed Off. Pretty, I'm pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing, and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. Well, mate, 
things went pretty well on Wednesday night. I suppose there's a couple of things that we can go through which we didn't like. And I think the biggest thing for me was, I mean, obviously you got the result, but uh, Chris and Salem, he's one of my favourite personal favourite players. And to see him go down with injury, which unfortunately he probably didn't look right come to play in the first first start. I think uh, he did get a knock against North Melbourne. I, I mean, I didn't really think much of it at the time, but obviously it must have been worse for wear. But, you know, caught the big tackle from Bont and which has resulted in him um, having a few weeks on the sidelines. Yeah, really unfortunate there. Like, he's such a huge player for us. He's such a key uh, component of that back six there. And thankfully that it's uh, nothing as serious as, as we could have thought. There was no ligament damage to him, which is which is great. And so they sort of suspected maybe a PCL, but it sounds like that he's just chipped the cartilage in his knee and he's had a bit of a procedure and a bit of a clean out on it. I don't have, I'm not sure about an estimate of weeks. Do you know anything about, is it looking uh, sort of four All I know is weeks? there's no, there's no, there's, I don't think there's any timeline at this stage, yeah. but hopefully he's back, you know, pretty ASAP. But, you know, on the topic of injuries as well, I think, you know, add back six, there's, there's a little concern through there. I mean, obviously, Jake Lieber was a late withdrawal. I mean, I didn't know much about it. I mean, that's something that, you know, I was talking to you before, you know, the, the torn plantar fascia, which, you know, is, you know, a better outcome considering if you can compare tearing it and not tearing it. Do you know much about it? I don't, I don't personally, no. I only sort of, it sounds like that's certainly the better outcome because uh, we know of players that have had troubles with that in the past where it's been maybe strained or it's something that's been given an issue. Apparently been sore for a few weeks uh, was what I was hearing in the lead up to the game. And yeah, ended up rupturing it on the final training session on the Sunday. And I think it was just sort of touch and go up until the Wednesday night. So fingers crossed. I mean, he sort of said, we'll see and assess like hopeful for next week. Sort of seems when when you sound like you've torn something and then you're right to play the following week, doesn't sound quite right, does it? But it's, mm-hmm. I don't know enough about it. So fingers crossed it's not too far. I think you think about the first man up that would normally be in that position is Harry Petty. And we know that he's still a few weeks away. So yeah, it was a bit of a different look down there. Um, but again, I still think that they played pretty well. They sort of did their jobs and were able to adjust mid game as we needed to, you know, we saw a T-Mac fly back there a little bit back in his old position there. We saw Brayshaw drop back as well too, to sort of fill Salo's role a little bit as well. When sort of talking to, I think over messages and I think that he could be, as much as we love him on the wingers, he could be just that handy stand-in for Salo as a ball user because we know how intelligent mm-hmm. and how good he is with his foot skills. Yeah. So kicks both ways too, both sides. Sorry. Yeah, and and had a, had a couple of really handy heads-up plays, especially um, early in that fourth quarter. A couple of intercept marks, which were really crucial, I think, when they were pushing a couple of times, and he stopped a, a couple of certain. I wouldn't say certain goals, but yeah, a couple of really important um, intercept marks in defensive fifty. So. I think, yeah, we're getting stretched thin. That's There's no doubt about it, but it sounds like we've got the personnel. I'm, I'm pretty happy with what we saw for how we're able to cater to that as well. Yeah, 100%. I think just getting continuity in your team, I suppose. It's, it's hard because, I mean, you see different changes during the year. I mean, you saw Bowie obviously come in really late in the season. You see different changes. But, yeah, definitely having a settled side during the year and you know building that consistency is very key as well. Can I just That's ask you good, before, um, before, we, before we go to that, because when you talked about Bowie yeah. and we're talking about players coming in, what did you think of Jaden Hunt's yeah. game? 
I'll leave. I'll leave that one for later. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I'll, they'll be later because that's because look, All we're right. in the wrong segment, mate. This oh, is pretty well, so we're just we're talking about players mate, coming pre- in. Not pissed off about Jay Nunn. I don't want to talk about Jay Nunn right pissed now. Off. All right. Don't let me talk about him because I'm not pissed off about him. Yeah. Let's talk about the clearance, mate. That what the hell happened? Our clearances. You, you got the ba- your best tap ruckman or best ruckman in the game. We can't get on top of clearance. Is it teams just working off and feeding off Gawney, which I saw multiple times. I don't know if Gawney just says, oh, here you go, Jack McRae, just have what you want. Same with Dunkley, Bond, Bailey Smith from that, that matter. Just, you know, we were hitting it directly to them and that's why they got, you know, this big eight goal, eight straight, just surge footy. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing at clearances, but you look at our star midfield and we've, you know, you could arguably say we've got the best starting midfield in the comp, you know, Barney, Petrarca and Oliver. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting to know that we get smacked around. I mean, you look at, okay, it's a preseason game, but you look at Carlton, they fucking tortured us. Sorry to put that word in there. <laughs> they tortured us in the midfield. Um, oh, okay. But you saw Carlton on, on Thursday night. I was going to say, yeah, it was unreal. pretty good on Thursday I mean, night. I mean, well, Richmond were pretty poor. You look at them and they got dusty. You know, not the same. But anyway, yeah, it's, something's, something's got to give. Like, where's... Where's the improvement going to lay there? I mean, but you look across the, yeah, the rest of the game. I mean, they got a lot of ascendancy in that period of 20 minutes, but that that ascendancy, you know, could have, you know, could have cha- did change the game a fair bit, but could you know be the potential to give us a loss? How many times do you reckon last year we talked about the center clearances being an issue for the days and like Multiple it has been, times. An, yeah, exactly, Multiple and it's been. We got beaten. An ongoing, I suppose, ongoing issue. It's it's hard. Like we talked about how important it is to have your hands on the footy, and how much I think in that period of time they were scoring so quickly from that. That's where that's where it's hard. I think you talked about where the ball was just getting surged forward, just kicked along the ground, hit forward um, in any way, shape, or, or form. And Aaron Norton was doing his best possible job at trying to rip that game apart, which he did very, you know, did very well. Like he's an absolute superstar, and I thought that. You know, he played an outstanding game and credit to May as well, too, because he still had some great moments on him as well. There was a key stat I was, I was watching the KO mini, and towards the back end, I think it was maybe five or four minutes left before we kicked our uh, first goal of the quarter. At that stage of the quarter, we'd had two marks for the quarter. So essentially, yeah, we couldn't get our hands on it. And, you know, we were just chasing us, which obviously, you know, what can you do if you can't get your hands on the footy? Good teams are going to have these runs, and I think it's just going to be how do you adjust after it. Is there anyone else that you want to talk about in this period? Um, you heard me. You heard me a little have a little grumble about our or oh, Jimmy Jimmy Harms. Look, I think. I mean, I was talking. sitting next to your dad at the footy, and we just we we're just saying just Jimmy Harms just had these moments where he just didn't look interested. I think uh, it's it's a, it's really hard to knock players individually, and I think. You know, he's one that I think he did it. Well, I mean, his big contested grab to seal the game, I think, was was huge and sort of, you know, paid back that frustration, which was, you know, transpiring across the game. And just, yeah, I think he's one that, you know, he's in, I think, I don't know, he just, he kind of gets, I reckon he gets a bit scared, actually, at times. He just flicks the ball out, not even really looking where it's where it's going. So he, he's one that, you know, he can provide some really, really solid footy, but he's also someone that, you know, can have can have lapses in games. But if he's firing, I mean, we've, we've seen it from him multiple times. He's a definitely, definitely a valuable player to our team.
got a new award being rolled out this round. I want you to really segue with a beauty. <laughs> Give it to us. Well, it's it's the award formerly known as the Charlie Spargo Award. You and me, we love to give credit each and every round about a player that maybe did the little things in the game that maybe not everybody noticed or maybe not didn't get voted best on the ground, but it's something that we noticed that we thought that we need to shine a light on them. And we thought we'd change it up slightly this year in terms of we're going to accrue the points by each player. So you and me are going to give a 3-2-1 each round about the underrated player of the round, and it's going to go towards a yearly tally. Ooh, a yearly tally. And I'm excited because you, you and I'm me... I'm trying to organise something for someone to come onto the pod, mate. The winner. The, the winner's winner. going to come on. Yeah, oh, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> does, a, does, a, does a swish video count? <laughs> oh, hey, we could do that. Genius. So, yeah, you and me, we don't know who we've voted for. So I create a bit of suspense for each round, but uh, yeah, I'm excited for this. It'll be good. Um, so each player can think- get a possible six points. Like that's the title because we're giving three, two, one. Obviously, the same player can get can receive votes from both of us, and we'll just have a tally board throughout the season, and then yeah, we'll find a way to uh, maybe get a bit of a prize to the winner at the end of the season somehow, maybe from our uh, amazing sponsors. Signed footy, yeah, signed <laughs> footy from us, and then from- maybe a t-shirt as well, which they are coming and some beers, no they doubt, some hop and brewing, oh, yeah, some hop and brewing, yeah, yeah 100%. some hop So, mate, do you want to do you really want to unpack it here? Do we want to go one, or the one? We'll go each other one one, and then two two, then three three. Therefore, we bounce it back. Yeah, no, I think I think we start off with the uh, ones and then go work our way up. So, because right, uh, yeah. it's your because it's your little competition, you brew it up. You can go first. <laughs> All right. So my first one goes to Eddie Langdon. I think just had a blistering start and got the team off right on the right foot, and I think was yeah a huge impact for that blistering first quarter that the D's had. Perfect. My one vote will have to go to Joel Smith. Joel Smith coming in to play a role, uh, intercepted quite well, and was able to play on smalls and tolls. Yeah. And there's nothing like these players are not in separately, they're not underrated. It's just we're just finding the little things about the game, obviously, because they're all amazing players. But uh, my number two is Angus Brayshaw, who I just think, yeah, played a fantastic role down back when when required. On you know, that was something that happened that he wouldn't have been planning for. So he's uh, played another terrific defensive game. My next one, I have to go to the Charlie, Far- Charlie Fargo, Charlie Spargo. <laughs> Award winner on multiple occasions with Jimmy Jordan uh, plays role very well. Obviously stepped into Brayshaw, uh, covering across that wing. Uh, had twenty disposals, linked up quite well. Um, often was a release player and went at eighty percent disposal efficiency. Nice one. And my three big votes. The first person to get three votes in the Hop Hen Underrated Player of the Year award goes to Joel Smith, who I thought was outstanding in his lockdown role. A lot of divide uh, with certain members of the public, but I think that, yeah, he played a fantastic role. And honestly, I think could, I love Hibbo, uh, but if Hibbo sort of falls out of form, I could easily see him taking over his role, I think, in, in the midst of the season. It, like, if that's the case. Uh, my free voter goes to a bloke that was unlucky after 18 games. Solid in the senior side last year, got injured, then couldn't get back in the side. And that goes to Jaden Hunt. Uh, Jaden Hunt locked down their best small forward in Cody Waitman, kept into one goal, which he did not deserve. And I thought his run and dash was awesome and his ball use was spectacular. To go with that, thank you, Choco, Choco Williams. I saw you working with him before the game. Obviously, that paid off. All right, Simo, will you have it? it First one's in the books. 
And we have a leader of the round, which is Joel Smith. So interesting to see how the tally board will grow as the season progresses. It'll be also interesting to see if there's a lot of repeat offenders in there. You you and me both know that we have our love childs in the Melbourne Football Club. And no doubt, no doubt I'll see Jimmy Jordan in your votes a lot this year. <laughs> All right, Simo. Well, we are the podcast for the fans, by the fans. And we wouldn't be here without our loyal listeners. And it's time to hear their thoughts in our next segment, Fugazi. People aren't commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fagazi. Can you do with your best uh, Matthew McConaughey impression? Can you walk <laughs> no, I can't, but it's, uh, it's goes something like Fagazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Simo, well, plenty of talking points from Wednesday's opening round victory against the Western Bulldogs. We asked our fans what they thought the biggest talking points were from the game. First one we've got is from Al Obar, says, Doing so well down back after Salem went off. We were four premiership defenders short. T-Mac went back and Gus slotted into the halfback drifter role and Smith and May were admirable in their shutdowns. And yeah, we, we talked about especially T-Mac and Gus in their ability to be able to adjust mid-game and, and go into those positions. And we were chatting before, I think May, whilst Norton is an absolute freaking kick four, I think May still had some really fantastic moments in that game as well too. Saved a couple of certain goals as well too with some great chase down and um, some others almost right on the goal line. 100%. I think May would, would have made a really serious case to be in our wards because obviously trying to control and construct a back line that haven't played a lot together, it's pretty pretty pivotal in uh, in terms of keeping the structure to a team down to 11 goals. Uh, next one comes in from Evan Herity. Ben Brown, if injury-free all season, will kick 80-plus. Oh, Ooh. gee, I'll tell you what, if he kicks 80-plus, mate, you plus. are, you Evan, you are, <laughs> the, you are the GOAT. Because uh, if we can get 80 out of him, you know, I, I reckon it could be possible with finals, maybe. Uh, he, I mean, look, he's kicked three to start with. As I said, could be easy to kick five, um, you know, 22 rounds. I mean, geez, imagine you kick five every week, 110. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, what, what are you, what are you sitting it, at? Probably, what, three and a half a game, really? Didn't to hit 80, aren't you? Yeah, something around, yeah, about three and a half. Yeah, something around that. So, yeah, certainly gets the opportunities too, and I think there's no reason why that he couldn't have a good stab at, I think we sort of earmark 60 as, as, as a pretty gettable uh, achievement for him as long as he can stay on the field, which we're hoping that he will. Next one comes from Simon C, who says... What needs to be done to address the times in games when we go to sleep? Didn't cost us again last night, but conceding eight goals in a row will bite us on the bum at some stage. Yeah, we talked about the momentum. I don't know if I'd put it down to us going to sleep. I think it's just hard to stop an onslaught like that, like that barrage. Mm, like, they just kind of just saw that, you know, they're almost stunned. Like, there's just everything that they tried. And we talked about the center bounce clearance and how much that was having that devastating impact on us. But I think... I don't know how many teams it's going to happen against. Like, I, I can't see too many teams. Like, you might look at your premiership contenders, no doubt, have been extremely potent scorers and teams that can really bring runs on like that. But I can't see it being a trend with us. I don't think it wasn't a trend last year. We had, yeah, as, as we spoke, a couple of abnormalities, uh, including the grand final. And we were talking about before the game against Geelong as well, too. But. Yeah, I don't think it's a worrying trend, but no, you you don't want to see it, and it didn't cost us the game, but it's certainly you don't want to be put in that position if you don't need to be. 
it's a hard one because as a player myself, you know, when a team gets a run on, you're looking to control possession. But I don't know why we couldn't do it. I mean, I suppose we couldn't get our hands on <laughs> we it. We couldn't get our hands on it. We spoke about before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We had two marks in pretty much a quarter. So, yeah, yeah no, something will be rectified and I'm sure we'll train it during the week. Next one comes in from Russell Paximo. Our ability to reset and go again when momentum turns against us is a trait our team has rarely had. What has flicked the switch? I think um, I think just well, obviously what well, I said before, it's it's to do with you know building that consistency and also um, having the trust in the system enables that to happen. I think have, not having Salo there as well, I think the team just had that little bit of time to adjust or had to ha- had to have that time to adjust to say, okay, you know our, our most damaging ball user of halfback, you know he's not here. What can we do differently? And you know I think we had halftime rectify and that sort of changed things. That's right. You sort of need those players that can really make those decisions to take this thing out of the game and, and possess the ball when things like that are happening. But yeah, we spoke about it before. It's it's not something that dare to think back to our, the old Melbourne mentality as a supporter and thinking, you know, you're holding a 30 goal, 30, sorry, a 30 point lead. And unfortunately, as Melbourne supporters, we were thinking, right, right when are we going to fuck this up? Like, when are they coming back? Like, how much time is there to go? We don't think like that anymore. And we talked about yeah. Goody's consistent message since he's been here and how much that has now grown. And now we've seen that evolve into a playing group that I think you talked about. Yeah, just the players having trust and belief in each other and the system that they do. Like they're not letting these, um, they're not letting certain possessions phase them. Like if, if one thing happens and they score from that, right, let's go, let's reset back to what we know, back to Melbourne footy. Like their just ability to do that, they it's like their mantra. They obviously live and breathe that. It's something that we spoke about all preseason. It's something that they has brought them and now won them with premiership. They're not going to forget that overnight. So I think Russell, great point um, from teams in the past, but I think we've now clearly seen the shift in this playing group and what they play for. And I think yeah, it's a really it's a really pleasing aspect because it does it allows not only the players but it allows fans to be a lot more confident in games. You talk about you know being twenty odd points down. And not panicking, um, yeah, it's it's a nice feeling, and and really makes fo- watching the make makes watching the footy a little bit more enjoyable, doesn't it? A little bit more. Yeah, relaxing. look at look at the comebacks, mate. Look at the comebacks. Look at the, that Geelong game. That was nuts. Yeah. And the Brisbane you know, game. The thing about the yeah. Brisbane. Oh game yeah, it's true. Like that five, three or four goals. Yeah. No, no, it's a very promising thing, and I think it'll be if we, you know, it's sustainable, which I think it's proven that we've been able to do it for over twelve months now. Um, it should be. Uh, a major factor in some ongoing success for the club. Uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it you know, one week at a time. And, and coaches say that a lot, and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. Well, mate, we've, uh, we've unpacked the Melbourne Bulldogs game. You know, great to start off the season 1-0. and It's... You know, it's a it's a first of uh, many night games we've got actually coming up, mate. There's plenty of chance for us to go. I mean, me prime me time, baby. Prime time. Prime time. Finally that's what we get. It. We get we get treated. <laughs> it's been uh, something that hasn't happened a lot in my lifetime as a Melbourne supporter. Normally, we get the graveyard shifts at the uh, or even the, you know the two o'clock Sunday, Sunday arvos. Games. You know, fifteen twenty thousand there, there. So and you could bloody sit wherever you want. So. No, it's going to be awesome, mate. It's uh, yeah, the segue into many, many night games. Uh, but obviously, the next one that's coming up is Gold Coast. Um, currently playing now and actually doing quite well. This is you know nine thirty. Uh, looking at Sunday, Sunday afternoon. So they're actually up by goal at the moment. Yeah, looking at the Gold Coast Suns. I think um, 
well, based on the stats, sorry to go through it early on here, but, you know, it took Miller and Matty Real doing a fair bit of damage with, you know, Jared Witts feeding it to him. So, you know, they're on ball brigade. We look at clearance, um, dominance, you know, could this be a huge focus for us coming into the game, which I think it will. Um, I think our, our back line um, will towel over them as well, even if it is depleted because, you know, lack of key forwards and, you know, no Ben King to worry about there. Uh, their key defensive pillars, I think they might struggle against our tall timbers. Um, so, therefore, we can get a hold of them there. Um, up at Metricon, which is, you know, a pretty cool place to to go up to. I don't think we've lost there. I remember the game a couple of years ago where we, you know, we got it right at the skin of our teeth. I think we would be kick a goal, a goal and a point in the space of – a goal and a point in the space of how long was it? Did was it draw? Like, 13 seconds. No, we, we, we rushed it through. We, was it? Tom, Tom, Tom McDonald, McDonald kicked it into the post yeah, kicked, on the side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a. Uh, That's oh, right. No, I do remember. That was crazy. It yeah. was drawn. And then was, Tommy McDonald I remember he just point. laughed at it. That's all he did. It wasn't even. There was no joy. It was just. No like, joy. It was, it was purely just, comical. We played that. We played <laughs> that bad that it just transferred to that. But anyway, yeah. anyway um, mate, I think the biggest era. thing. The biggest thing we look at too is, you know, the changes. I mean, you know, do we go for like for like with Salo or, you know, what's going to, is it going to be a reshuffling again? Is Tom McDonald even going to start back or, you know, what happens? Because, you know, those late changes, Tomlinson was left out of the round one side. Um, originally, well, I don't think it would have been the sub, but come in for Rick and, you know, it poses a question, you know, what sort of, what depth do we have in the twos to sort of back that up or, do we reshuffle and, you know, just Gus Brayshaw start there, which I think, you know, can easily do the job. Um, he proved to proved to do it. Melbourne's not a team now. I think we're very good at respecting our position. I think that's something that Goody always talks about is regardless of where the team is on the ladder, whichever week or round that we're playing them, we always go in, um, we'd like to think so, with the same mindset about how to do our job properly. And you look at their preseason hit out, like beating... Geelong by four or so goals. Now, we talked about what a preseason game means, but at the same time, watching what Geelong did to Essendon, in which was the only shit game really of this round so far, and then to see Gold Coast play like that, hopefully, yeah, look, I'd like to see them have some sort of success. But in terms of their personnel, yeah, you talked about no Ben King. Um, and Alex Sexton, who has propped up every now and then and, you know, can every, not consistently, but can be known to kick, you know, bags of four, five, six goals at a time. He's not playing. He's not in the side. So the question of where their goals are going to come from will be something. You know what Rankin does? You know, we remember when he debuted against Melbourne and, and nearly... Um, it's a few. Yeah, nearly yeah. knocked us off. That's right. Oh, D's by 42. And Murray Clary to have a blinder. Haven't even mentioned his name tonight. How have we not mentioned oh. him? Um, um, well, <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want you to bring his name up because I just think of Super Coach had him as vice captain, gave away seven free kicks, so completely ruined his scoring. But you know, still able <laughs> to get one twelve. But yeah, big on my Super Coach. He's my only Melbourne player, Clary. So I didn't go Gorney. I think Gorney would be a mid-season pickup for all those Super Coaches that are interested. Um, yeah, I think. Well, I was talking about Gold Coast. Matty Rao is going off, so um, we need to put a bit of a bit of interest into him and took Miller. So I think yeah, getting ascendancy on those two players um, will restrict our ability to score big time. So today marks the 10-year anniversary of the great Jim Stein's death. So 
Um, big shout out to yeah, Big Jim. Got it, the chance. I remember going Thanks, to mate. a Reach Foundation um, program with school. It would have been would have been got to be like 2006, 2007. I remember I walking up to him and I got him to sign this like little sparkly AFL sticker. You know, what I mean like the AFL stickers you used to get, not the cards, mm. but it was like the yeah. And I got him to sign that. Yeah, and I had that. Not- had that in a photo frame for a while and yeah no what a, what a huge figure for the melbourne football club and the work that he had to try and do whilst he was battling disgraceful um sickness unfortunately like he's trying to do two things at once and not able to he's funneling as much energy as he was into the club for a man that gave so much to that footy club you know we know that the boys and the girls are doing him proud from where he's watching down from us but yeah it's another episode done it's uh yeah some somehow got over COVID, bro. And I've done nothing for the last seven days, but literally like lie down and do nothing. And uh, yeah, struggled to speak at times today, but that's what editing's for. So you and me both can um, sound a little bit more coherent than what we've actually sounded like tonight. What are we? We're sitting. We've clocked an hour and thirty-eight minutes so far sitting on Zoom. And yeah, it'd be interesting to know what our episode running length comes out of the end of this. But as I said, looking forward to this week's game against Gold Coast and seeing what the boys can again put together and what should be, yeah, I think an exciting contest, but also more of a good start for the season because we know how important starts are to seasons and how much, uh, how much momentum that can build for the uh, business end at the end of the year. So. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google, and feel free to leave a review or feedback on Twitter. We're at A-T-T-N to detail, so D-E-E-T-A-I-L. We're on Facebook and Instagram. You can shoot us an email at attentiondetailpod at gmail.com. And, yeah, thanks, Simo. Thanks for another week, mate. Thanks for putting up with my shit this week. Um, <laughs> We got there. Oh, it's been a pleasure, it's mate. Good. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> we uh, we look forward to uh, to the game on Saturday night. It's um, oh, it's right. been too long since the D's game. Yeah, yeah, it has been. I know it's nearly a week already, or half a week. Thanks, everyone. Go D's. You're supposed to say go D's as well, so go D's. <laughs> <laughs> That's going. Yeah.